0: Hi besties. Hey I'm Liza.
1: I'm Riss. And this is the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. Finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading. His brain dried up, and he went completely out of his mind.
0: Marissa? Schleiza. Do you have any lit news this week? I feel like we haven't done lit news in a while.
1: What's my lit news for this week? Um, uh, Don't Fear the Reaper came out this week.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: Which is book two of My Heart is a Chainsaw, which I pretty sure I talked about on the podcast. You did. Um and you know, I love Stephen Graham Jones. But like I don't know so many people would be like, that is my favorite book by him. I don't know. You know? I'm not sure that it is. I think I think um the only good Indians is absolutely so nice and Mm. i like that one a lot better and i think i liked night of the mannequin better too interesting but that was just wild and crazy and i like that also i just read mapping the interior recently and that one was beautiful really liked it until the end um other lit news that i have barbara streisand is coming out with a book in november
0: she sure is
1: that's fun um Also, more horror news. A couple weeks ago, How to Sell a Haunted House came out by Grady Hendrix. Yes. Which is exciting. Which is exciting.
0: I gotta try Grady Hendrix again, I think. He's a hit or a miss for me.
1: Yeah. Um, He definitely can, like, delve into corny a little bit. I think you might like um, Horror Store. Okay. Because... That one was like weird, like what the frig is going on. Yes. And it had its creepy moments, but it also had like good like comic relief where it didn't get like too cheesy, you know what I mean? Right, right. Um, and it was cool. Um the Final Girl Support Group was good. I liked that one. But like I don't know. I know other people who liked uh Riley Sager's final girls better
0: interesting and then and then Stephen King, it's, not Stephen's king Jesus Christ Stephen Graham Jones has a final girls book too right so the... kind of uh oh. your heart is a chainsaw is supposed to be
1: more of like a final girl book okay unlike I suppose it is but in in like a very aware way sure you know what I mean like final row support group was like I like I was the survivor of a slasher right and like um my heart is a chainsaw is more like I am obsessed with slasher films and now this thing may or may not be happening in my life you know what I mean
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. so it's like it's an it definitely is an interesting take on it it's a cool yeah. thing um I will say something that I like about Grady Hendrix is he has very interesting themes, even if they're sometimes gimmicky. Right. And, like, for example, with How to Sell a Haunted House, obviously, you're like, cool, like, all about a haunted house and whatever. Yeah, but also that book is, like, these siblings parents died and they have to pack up their house their parents house and like move all their things out and like each different i don't know if it's every chapter if it's different sections but it's all the stages of grief Mm -hmm. which is kind of like very like devastating and that is really interesting Mm -hmm. but it's like oh how to sell a house that's so great like i was gonna buy it the first day it came out and then i read that and i was like am i prepared to think about like me and my siblings stuck in a house, packing up our parents' stuff after they died?
0: I don't... know That sounds like the scariest thing I could possibly mm-hmm. uh, actually read. So That's I was like, um, oh, no. It also reminds me of the concept of the Haunting of Hill House TV show, that the ghosts are all just fucked up energy and grief. Yeah. Like, like... Oh, here's a fun fact that I learned um on my I did a ghost tour in New Orleans fun and the lady who did the tour was really cool and she was explaining that there's actually a difference between ghosts and spirits which I didn't know so ghosts are energy that is trapped like kind of like in a loop So they're not going to be able to, like, interact with you. You'll see them or hear them, but they don't see you or hear you. Whereas spirits are the ones that will actually, like, interact with you, like, touch you on purpose, like, whisper stuff to you on purpose. If there's any, if you believe in, like, demonic energy, like, demonic entities, I mean, like, that's a spirit, not a ghost.
1: Interesting.
0: So, like, looking at it through the lens of, like, Haunting of Hill House, the show, like, does that mean the mom is a spirit, but the bent neck lady and the hat man are ghosts because they don't really interact? It's just interesting. Or, like, mm-hmm. the spirit from the lake in Bly Manor, who she she grabs that one guy by the neck, but she didn't even mean to. He just got in her way. Right. She's a ghost, right? Not a spirit. I love that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Nothing that's to do with anything. That's how about. you think
1: about like everything.
0: Right? It's really interesting. Um, but that's an interesting concept. For I think Grady Hendrix does that a lot. He He picks a horror trope and he does something really interesting with it, which I do have mad respect for.
1: Right. And like like I said, he can dip into cheesy. Like he can get too into that trope and it can get really gimmicky easily. Right. Um, but there are some really great things that he's also doing. So he's cool. Oh, Grady Hendricks. He's cool. I think now's a good time. I don't know why. Like January, February is always a time where I'm where I feel really reflective. Mm-hmm. Um and I want to, like, reread a lot of my favorite things, and I think that's a good thing for people to do. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm about to go reread, like, my favorite short stories and chill with them for a little while. Why not? Just go do it. Everyone. <laughs> Once. <laughs> Me just reading it this summer and already, like, I want to read it again. Oh my
0: God. I've still never read it again since I read it the first time, so maybe I should read it.
1: Oh, I love it. And, like, I, I can never figure out how to recommend that book to people. Like, how do I say this is something that you need to read in your lifetime? Right. Like, I know it's horror. I know the stupid movie came out. I know it sounds cheesy.
0: But, like, my <laughs> God. My God. Shit. Joe Hill, you're a friend. We love. We love. So that was some lit news. That was some you lit know? news. Lit news, um, other like random lit news, keep an eye. We're keeping an eye on the HarperCollins unionization. Um, because the HarperCollins workers are trying to unionize, and HarperCollins remains to be seen if they're gonna meet the union's demands. Um, so we're keeping an eye on that. The other fun thing I saw this morning. Um, that I was like, oh, this looks cool. Feminist Press is coming out with a book called Queer Then and Now, the David R. Kessler Lectures, 2002 to 2020. Um, And it is a collection of lectures on queer studies um, from a quite like prolific um, queer studies, professor of queer studies, and then a bunch of really legendary queer people um, and I just think that's so cool. A collection of lectures. Like, if you're nerds like Marissa and I and you loved school, like uh loved college, high key, what a fun little treat that you can like take mm-hmm. a course on queer studies in book form from the feminist press.
1: And we love the feminist
0: press. We love the feminist press.
1: They are like social media besties.
0: I know. They're always responding to us, we're always responding to them. They're queens over there.
1: Love them but that's lit news that's some lit news it was very lit today
0: very lit but the biggest lit news is what that month it's... is it what <laughs> month is <laughs> i was gonna say that it's black history month <laughs> Hell yeah. it's black history month party party, party party it's one of the best goddamn literary months of the year We love to see it. We love it. Um, make sure you go and listen to last year's episodes of Little Sleep Much Reading Black History Month. We did a whole month of Black History, and we talked, I think, more in-depth in the first episode about, like, where Black History came from. So this is your sign to go back to that if you don't know where Black History came from. Go do that. And listen to that. Um, also, I've noticed on TikTok, a lot of Black creators are on Book Talk specifically. A lot of Black creators are um, posting like a lot of really, really good videos about um, Black authors that you like have to read. Um, so definitely tune into that for this month as well, and see what our our besties on um, Black Book Talk are up to. I actually let me actually just shout out a few. I was thinking about doing that and then
1: I was like, I know every time I open up my TikTok and I try to find people I can't. That's so I don't know anyone's usernames.
0: I know I never memorize people's usernames. I just know what like sometimes I don't even know their names. I just see them all the time. Um. So one of my favorite black book talkers, it, her name is Lee and her at is books.with um she is a therapist by day and a book talker by night she's extremely cool who else who else i know i follow quite a few i know and then it's a matter of like having to go through all the people you follow Mm -hmm. and be like (laughs) (laughs) Like, who are any of these people? I also swear to God, sometimes I'm following people that I didn't even know I was following. Okay, but you probably just think that because
1: you're like, who's, who is this? You don't know? TikTok's not about the, the, the username.
0: No, it's not. Oh, Zoe Reads is um Zoe's reads, sorry, is one of my favorites and that's just Zoe's underscore reads. Um She's awesome. She has really, really fun videos. So definitely follow her. And I know I have a few others, but it might uh it might take a little too long to find them. Where are you? Following a movie right now. Kendra.reads.
1: Which I don't know if Kendra's posted in a while. Oh, yeah, she posted on the first. It's not that long ago.
0: We also have a fun friend on... um, on a bookstagram let me see if i can find her the secondhand librarian
1: oh i love the secondhand librarian she's um she is based in rochester okay she's awesome i I always want to go and be her bestie she has a couple youtube videos because she started her bookstore while she was while it was covid oh interesting Uh uh-huh but she doesn't she hasn't made a video in a while, as far as I know, but she is so cool and I want to be your best friend.
0: Yeah, she's very cool. Definitely follow her, everybody. Uh, and there's so many more. There's so many more. The whole world. Um, But we read some books by black authors this week. We did. We did. What did you read?
1: Um, so I know I was going to read, uh, the Bitterroot comics, and then Barnes & Noble was rude to me, and they only had it at the McKinley Mall one, which is not close to me. That's, like, all the way in the South. Um, so I was like, that's okay, I'll just read Fledgling, I've been wanting to read that for a while. Um, I think the cover's beautiful, and I'm very excited about it. So, I read Fledgling by Octavia Butler, but we have some thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and i'm interested to hear because i've never read that one um and i read the book didn't nobody give a shit what happened to carlotta by james hanahan and i'm so excited to tell everybody about it i've been waiting for days for this episode so excitement <laughs> um, do you ever have him and i didn't I didn't, and now I really wish I did. Sure. Yeah, he's so cool. Like, his writing is so cool. I, I really think it would have been incredible to have him as, like, a studio professor. You mm-hmm. would have just been doing the coolest shit. I can only imagine.
1: You should reach out to him and tell him that.
0: I know. Hello. I didn't have you as a professor, but I wish I did. But I, I really wish that I had. Want to be my best friend or what? <laughs> I think he would say yes. I think you would, too. Um, But, yeah, I'm very excited about that. Do you want to um, go first? Because I went first last week. I can go first. E- go first.
1: All right. So I didn't do a full rating scale because here's the tea. I'm just about halfway through this book, so I'm not done with it. And I haven't. This, like, a couple days ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to DNF this book, okay? But um, that I kind of, like, kept reading it, and now I'm halfway through it, and I'm still on the fence on if I'm going to DNF it, okay? So, um, let's talk about it. When I I—we only had one copy of this book in store, and I could not find it anywhere— and then inventory happened and then it was like zero copies. So I knew it was a wrong on hand. So I was like, whatever, this is stupid. So I ordered a whole bunch to come in. So five came in and I was like, yay, so excited about this. And the cover is beautiful in orange, like bright orange, um, which I think is interesting. We'll talk about this because I think this is really cool. In case you don't know the science of colors, I, um, Orange is supposed to be a color that makes you hungry. And so it's interesting that a book about a vampire would have an orange cover to like make you like salivate for some reason. Super interesting. I thought that was cool. But um so and I got it and as I was cashing out my one of my coworkers is a very is like an older white man and he was like oh my gosh, have you ever read Octavia Butler before? And I was like, no. And he was like, she is so cool. And um, she's like, I think he said one of the first African-American science fiction writers. And he was telling me like, she won all these awards. He like was spewing out all these facts about her. And I was like, I can't wait. Like, I'm so excited. This book's gonna be so good. He's like, oh, you're gonna love it. It's gonna be great. Which like he doesn't even know when I read. I don't know how he would know that. But I was like, cool. I you're you're so right. Um and I started reading it and I was like, wow, immediately right off the bat, it is really cool. So let me let me just explain really quick. Um, our main character is about a 50-year-old vampire. And I said that I did the little air quotes when I said it because they don't refer to themselves as vampires in the book, really. Um, but she's a vampire. And 50 years old for the vampire community is a child. And even her character is, she's in, she doesn't look like an adult. She looks like about 11 year old child, let's say 10, 11 years old. Um, And I thought that was so cool, like a 10 or 11 year old little black girl who has all of this cool power. Um, I was so excited for this book. And I, so far, I really like Octavia Butler's writing. I, I feel as though she thinks out the little details, things that, like, other writers would probably glance over. Um, For example, our main character has woken up to find that she was in a very bad accident and, like, lost her memory completely. Doesn't know who her vampire community is. Doesn't know, like, a lot of normal, everyday things. Um. and so like one thing is she's with this guy and the guy's like oh in the glove box and like she can remember what a glove box is and she looks at it and like Octavia Butler literally says she looked at it thought about how she would open the glove box and then opened it and I thought that was so interesting because most writers would be like she looks at the glove box and opened it but they didn't take into account that like she forgot how to do a lot of things she lost her memory so like her thinking about how she would open it is kind of an important step. And I just love that, that attention to detail in the writing, um, in the characters and things like that. I think it's so interesting. And uh, I think that the, the mm, yeah, so the world that Octavia Butler is creating is amazing and wonderful. And you can see how like she wanted this to be a much longer series, Um before she passed and so uh, yeah so it's 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 so far it's a good book the thing that has me bugged like if this if this part of it wasn't in the book i i would be flying through this book i would probably have been done with it three days ago but the reason why it's taking me so long is because part of the world that she's creating um vampires can have, I think, I don't remember what they're called off the top of my head. I think they're called symbionts or something like that. Um, but that's pretty much just like a human who you um like have a connection with, who you imprint with after you bite them. Um, and then you guys are connected to each other and all that. So there's something really interesting that Octavia Butler is doing here where again, our main character, is Shori, she is a 50 year old child vampire who's in a 10 to 11 year old child's body. And the first person who she meets is like a 23 year old man. And they immediately connect with each other. And so she's. She has a sexual relationship with this man who's 23. And they're there are a few sex scenes in this book to the point where I'm like, I have to think about a 23-year-old man having sex with like an 11 11- to 10-year-old. That's, I don't know how I feel about that. And um, yeah, that, that's just odd to me. And again, it could have been fixed if, you know, Shory was 18 years old, if she was in an 18-year-old's body, that would be different. So obviously, I feel like this is a pur- a purposeful thing that Octavia Butler did. And I... Like, cool. Um, that's, you know, writers make choices all the time. And who am I to say that they're right or wrong or good or bad or whatever? It's just she's obviously trying to make some kind of statement about it. It was obviously a purposeful thing. Um, the other really interesting thing is... There's obviously, like, a consent conversation happening in this book, which, like, consent is one of my triggers, lack of consent. So not only is Shori a child in both human and vampire ways, but also um, these people who she's biting, she doesn't know this at first, but after you bite them after so many times, like she's injecting some kind of venom into them that makes them like her, that makes them want her. So, like, are their feelings even real for her? And do they want to even be with her? We don't know. Like, we, we have no idea. And so, like, even though I'm like, ill, this 23-year-old is sleeping with an 11-year-old. Yes, but did the 23-year-old consent to sleeping with the 11-year-old? And I know that sounds crazy because he's 23 and she's 11. But, like, he was also bit by her, so he has her venom in him, so he's, like, addicted to her in a weird way. I don't know. It's all a little bit... It's all a little bit fucky wucky. if you ask me. um, Very weird. Very strange. So it's, it's like, hard to get through for me. Um, And I'm sure many other people felt the same way. And like everything, the reason why I haven't DNF'd it yet is because everything that I've read, people are like, oh, I'm so glad that I actually stuck it out. I had this problem, but I'm so glad I actually stuck it out. But also a lot of people are saying, I stuck it out, but I just had to picture her as an 18 year old instead of a 10 year old. Which I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then I thought about it and I was like, but if, if it's, if she wrote it this way, then, like, why are we, like, again, let's not question writers' decisions because, like, there's usually reasons of why writers do things when you're like, this is weird. Yeah, there's probably a reason why it's weird, and it's probably to make you uncomfortable. Um, But also, I think that... if a reader has to like change it in their head, if if a, a large number of readers have to change a part of it in their head to get through it, perhaps it's also not the best decision. Um, So like that's just something that's interesting that's happening. And I also saw someone who brought up and rice's um interview with a vampire and how she has which i've never read and i've never seen the movie sorry to disappoint people but um she has a character who is also a young vampire and there is this idea of like when a vampire is trapped in a child's body and like their soul and their mind is growing when their body is no longer growing like they're still going to have human needs and they're going to be like human people and they're going to be and I mean that in the sense that like they're going to have sexual desires they're going to need actual conversation they're going to need you know things that we often shelter kids from that's like being an adult and living in a child's body um and someone said that Anne Rice wrote that book um when she was grieving her children or her child or something which is really interesting but like for Octavia Butler's case it it seems like these specific vampires do in fact grow and like Shori is not Like, yeah, she's 53 years old, stuck in a 10-year-old's body. But the vampires literally say, like, oh, you're a child vampire. Like, you are still, you're so young, you're a child vampire. You're not of age to breed or anything. So, I don't know. It's a little bit weird. And like I said, I think this world is amazing. I think the writing is so far amazing. There's just this one thing that I'm not sure how to navigate past and like how to deal with. Um, And I haven't decided if I'm going to DNF it yet. And it's not because it's a bad book. It's not because I don't like it in any way. It's just because there's this one thing that's kind of triggering and kind of uncomfy and I don't know how to deal with it. Um, And I'm sure other people would feel different. They would probably feel a little bit different, but Yeah, so that's how I feel about that. And that's why I didn't rate it or anything. So I'm still in the middle of it. So I didn't think it'd be fair. Um, But I don't know. We don't know what'll happen. We don't know. Yeah.
0: It's so interesting. To me. Because, like. You have to think she has a. Like you said a thousand times when you were just talking, like, she had a reason for writing it. She had a re- reason for writing it like that. And adding those details. So it's just interesting to think what... She had to.
1: What the she had to
0: is, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because
1: like- there's no way that you can have this idea of, like, the human's... You know, there's like the the question of even the humans consenting yeah. and she's a young like there's two like conversations of consent just swirling around in this book together. There has to be something
0: that has to be almost like that has to be the theme. And fledgling, like I'm like thinking about the name when like a fledgling is like a like a baby bird. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's, it's, it's a, there's some really interesting things happening there. I also, like, knowing her is interesting as well because, like, so I've read Kindred and I've read um, excerpts from Bloodchild. And those obviously had a very, like, a point, you know? It was a social commentary. And, like, I really, really want to read Parable of the Sour because I've heard... A dozen people say it's such a better apocalypse novel and comment on women in the apocalypse than The Handmaid's Tale. Um, And it's so much more inclusive. And so I'm like, you know, Octavia Butler had a point. Yes. So it's trying to get to the bottom of what the point was.
1: Right. And I mean, like with Interview with a Vampire, that came out in 1976. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fledgling came out in 2005. Right. And she died, Octavia Butler died in 2006. Interesting. So, like, she didn't... I feel like there... Not only did she not have time to, like, develop the world that she was clearly going to continue making and the series that she was going to make with this. Right. Um, But, like, did she even really ever get time... Let's see. If this book was published September 8th, 2005, okay, and she died in February of 2006, she died just months after. She never even got to like explain, explain what she was doing.
0: Right, right. That's really interesting. That's really crazy. Um, huh. I mean, and the other one thing I'll say is, here you have one of the greatest literary minds ever definitely one of the greatest minds in if not the greatest in science fiction you know and she's a black woman you know nothing was gratuitous you know what Mm -hmm. i mean so if we were having this conversation and it was like a stephen king book i'd be like well slap me silly
1: right i'd be like he's he's being an idiot guys Just
0: the pedophile (laughs) like literally pedophile um but if you see here a black woman doing it, you know it's not gratuitous. Right. That's why I don't want to like stop reading it.
1: That's why I'm like, okay, I know I I I think that I have to finish it. It's just yeah. like I know I'm gonna have to take more time to do it and really definitely. think more on it. Definitely,
0: definitely. And that's a good too, that like to say, Hey, I read this book, it's a one of the topics is a trigger for me. Because it's probably definitely a trigger for a thousand other people. And yeah. So, like, hey, people, just FYI, you know.
1: Um, interesting. I was like, I'm going to read a really cool vampire book. And also, I mean, it's just interesting to think about, like, I, fun fact, have never read Dracula. Have you yeah. ever read it? Okay. Never. No, never read it. But didn't he, like, old, weird white guy? And didn't he, like, get of? wasn't it, a little pedophile-ish?
0: Yeah, the whole vampire thing is really strange, and it's really interesting because I was thinking of this movie that I love called Near Dark, which is from the 80s. It's really hard to find, but if you can find it, you should watch it. And there's one character that's, like, a kid vampire, and they're, like, expressing these, like, sexual frustrations that they're, like, never going to get to be, like, a grown-up. And, like, even when you think about it with Twilight, you're like, yo, Edward's 17 forever? Like, what? And so it's a common thread, I think, in a like, what happens when you're immortal, but you're stuck in one age? You don't age, even if you live forever. It's interesting. And also, I have another question for you. Mm -hmm. Is the main character you might've said this and I just might've like missed it. She's obviously, she's a black girl. Yeah. So that adds another layer to it because here you have a black girl stuck in a 10 to 11 year old's body and a grown ass man is taking advantage of that. White man. Okay. Okay. So that's obviously a comment in and of itself, but then her taking consent from other people is a whole different comment because we know that young Black girls have been preyed upon forever, forever. Uh, And in America, especially with like the history of like slavery and colonialism. So it's almost like what happens when prey becomes Predator, mm-hmm. and like he's a, big, he's a
1: right? He he like works for a construction company. He's like a big guy. He's real like furry. She like always says how he's like furry, and um, his name's Wright. W R I G H T. Isn't that interesting too?
0: Yeah, huh? <laughs> well, she, like such a smart woman. Like she's so good. It's, yeah, it's almost like you really got to just take your time with it and take your breaks with it, mm-hmm. but get to the bottom of it nonetheless. Because, like I said,
1: the the world she's building, everything about it is so good and so interesting. It's just, like, that part. And, like, every chapter there's been not always, like, a, a super graphic sex scene, mm-hmm. but, like, even just something that I'm, like,
0: ill. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure how how crazy how interesting
1: yeah it's wild
0: vampires
1: what do they vampires mean? week two of vampires
0: week two week three of will vampires. not be vampires oh my god jewish vampires <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert for what the next episode is uh there's got to be a jewish vampire book there has to be yeah You'll find it um wow okay cool interesting Take it away, Eliza. <laughs> take take it away, Gary. Um, okay, I'll take it away. My book this week was uh, "Didn't Nobody Give a Shit What Happened to Carlotta" by James Hannaham. Um, since we are talking, we were talking about trigger warnings. Um, I'll just give a trigger warning for this book about SA and violence against. Um trans women specifically black trans women um and I just feel like that's important to say because obviously um we're doing a black history month episode and neither Marissa or I are black um so it's just important to remember that and we don't want to like speak on black books that have black trauma in it as non-black folks like glossing over that feels like it would be very wrong. Um, So even though I feel like we don't always give trigger warnings. Um, I forget to a lot. Um, But that was it it occurred to me. Um, And I wanted to make that clear. So just a heads up with that. Um, But this book was so good. I am still thinking about it. I can't get over it. Basically, it's about this woman, Carlotta, who has spent the last 20 years in a men's prison. Uh, She went into prison in the 90s as a man, uh, still living as a man, and then came out whilst in the prison. Flash forward 20 years, she's released from prison back into her old neighborhood, which is Fort Greene, Brooklyn, to find it is not the neighborhood that she left behind. So both Marissa and I obviously um, have made homes in Clinton Hill, Fort Greene, Brooklyn, because of Pratt, um, so we obviously came to realize, came to know a very different Fort Greene than what was Fort Greene in the 90s, and we played a part in the gentrification of Fort Greene by being Pratt students, um, which is a whole conversation for another day, but that, particularly was really interesting to read about and seeing Fort Greene through Carlotta's eyes from when she used to live there in the 90s and when she's coming back to it. Um, And and she sees other neighborhoods too. She goes to Coney Island, she goes to Gowanus, like uh, she goes to Midtown, like her coming back into the real world after being in prison for so long, um, it's just so so interesting, and so much of the imagery from those scenes uh, was gorgeous. Um, but yeah, it basically takes place over two days, um, from when she gets out of prison to her trying to reacclimate to life. Uh, and then I won't spoil the end for you. Um, but yeah, it's it only takes place over two days, and it is just so. Full. And you get these scenes that are taking place in the present of her exploring Brooklyn and exploring freedom and exploring herself, but then you get her describing these moments from when she was in prison, uh, many of which are just harrowing um, from being essayed by a uh, prison guard many times. Um, To the different violence that was inflicted upon her because she was living as a trans, first a queer man and then a trans woman in prison, um, to just how fucking shitty the prison industrial complex is in general and the justice system is in general, particularly with sending, like, black people to jail for just the most minor of crimes. Um, So there's just like a lot to unpack in this book, but at the same time, it is one of the funniest books I have read in a long time. I was laughing out loud. Carlotta is such a treat. She's such a funny woman. Um, So it's just really interesting to see this like, okay, here's this comment about living as a trans black woman in the prison industrial complex gentrification and at the same time it is the funniest fucking book ever um so that's a little summary of did nobody give a shit what happened to carlotta now i'll get into my rating scale so this is the closest to perfect i believe i can rate a book i don't know what's wrong with me but i have this thing where i can't rate a book a 10 because i like it, my brain can't do it like i'm like i need there to be the perfect book and i don't think i'm ever going to find that book so i don't think i'll ever rate a book a 10 um like even beloved when we were talking about it like i don't think i rated beloved a 10 in any of the charts even though like obviously you would like it's a perfect book but i just can't bring myself to do it for some reason i'm still holding out for like the most perfect book of all time and i don't think that book is ever going to come so you'll never catch me i don't think doing 10s across the board, unfortunately. But this is the closest you're going to get, which comes only every once in a great while. I think I did a similar thing with um, The Bitch by Pilar Quintana, which was my number one book of last year. Um, For readability, I gave this book a nine. I could not put her down. It was so engaging, so entertaining. Uh, And a lot of that has to do with the style and the form. So just know this is a binge book. I think it took me like three days to read and it's not the shortest book in the world. Uh, I think the fact that it takes place only over two days is really helpful too. And there's a lot of excitement in those two days. Um, So with that being said, I'll jump into the style and the form, which I think has a really, really strong impact Uh, And I'm going to group these together because I think they go hand in hand. James Hanahan's writing is gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. And there's two completely separate styles going on. And I have never in my life seen an author be able to do this successfully and seamlessly in the way that he did. So I gave both a nine. We have an omniscient narrator, okay? Okay. there's somebody who is saying Carlotta did this, Carlotta saw this, so-and-so said this, da-da-da-da-da-da. And you're seeing that those portions of the book are almost like James Hanaham coming in, right? Because we know he's a professor of writing and we know he's gonna describe these beautiful images of, you know, what Brooklyn cityscape looks like, what the subway sounds like, what everything smells like, what everything sounds like um and there's that but then you get the first person perspective from Carlotta every few paragraphs like literally it'll be a tiny little paragraph of the narrator and then you get these little blurbs of Carlotta speaking in the first person and she is so fucking funny and the style is so different and so distinct and I think it's something that a lot of people would be afraid to um put in a book because her style is very conversational. Um, She's using um, AAVE. She is using a lot of queer um, language and terminology and phrasing. Um, And I think that that's something, I don't know. I've not seen it before. And of course, Carlotta isn't going to talk you know, and be like, like, she's not going to be talking like James Hanahan is talking to tell you about what's happening, right? Like, that wouldn't make any sense. And I think sometimes authors forget, if you're going to be talking through a person, it needs to be true to who they are. You can't put words in their mouth, your character is going to talk the way that they talk and the way they want to talk, and they're going to say the things that they want to say. And James Hanahan figured out the perfect way to do that with this dual style. Um, it, it was incredible. It was um, highly experimental and it worked incredibly well. And I, I think it still would have been a really beautiful, interesting story had he not done that and had he stuck with the narration the whole time, but it wouldn't have had nearly as much character and, and, liveliness if he didn't let carlotta speak um it's also important to know that this book is on audible and when it's on audible james hanahan is narrating the narration parts and a trans woman is narrating the carlotta parts um so it's almost like a tell like a play when you um, would listen to it which is really cool um as well four shelf worthiness i gave this book a nine bitch I'm keeping it forever this is exactly the type it's just so cool and I think coming from a place coming from a degree in writing you get these books every once in a while where you're like this is the goddamn coolest thing I've ever fucking read and if I ever teach a class I'm assigning this book and this would be the type of book I would just assign for a um writing um a workshop uh that for studio I would be like because they'll give you in studio and writing school they'll give you these books that are just like this is what good writing is read it and do it and sometimes we got books that were not good bitch I'm thinking back to Dennis Johnson sorry I hate Dennis Johnson (laughs) but like shit like that and I'm like I'm seeing, I'm reading this book and I'm saying, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do Savage Conversations by Leanne Howe. I'm going to do The Bitch by Pilar Quintana. Because here you have people of color, women of color, doing just the coolest shit you've ever seen in your life. It's like, no, I actually don't actually need Dennis Johnson (laughs) anymore. Because there's people doing far cooler stuff that can teach you what good writing looks like than shit like that. Um, so that's why, um, I gave it so high in shelfworthiness because I think it's sometimes just like when you're looking at things in a writerly way, you also want to be looking at things in like a teacherly way, almost not necessarily that you're going to be a teacher, but like almost that like you're like teaching yourself every time you're reading something new. Um, so that's why we would hang on to this one Four plot. I gave this book a nine. Uh, I already talked a lot about the plot. There's a lot going on. There's, like, a big party that's also awake. There's, like, a when she gets there. There's, like, a welcome home party that's also, like, this, like, really funny, like, chorus concert for this little girl that's her niece. Um, there is her, uh, what's it called? Parole officer. Um, there's her trying to get a job. There's her shopping. There's her going to Coney Island. There's her linking up with her old friend and them reconnecting and sharing stories um there's a scene where she's trying to learn how to drive from this crazy like rich guy and all of this is happening in two days mind you um and then of course there's these retrospective scenes from the prison um so the plot is really good and i don't want to say anything about the end um but the only place i'd be like this is where there's a hole is like there's something that happens in the end where you're like i knew that was gonna happen but i wish i and you're almost glad you didn't get to see it happen, but at the same time you wish you saw it happen, if that makes sense, because it would make everything make more sense. But sometimes something making sense isn't what you need and it's the end that is the point, not whatever happened in between. <laughs> I feel like like I've just like didn't make any fucking sense. But like that's even if I had like a little thinking like, Oh, what the hell at the end, um I think it was filled by the fact that I, I know that James Hanahan did that on purpose and that it was the last lines of the book that were, or the last chapter rather, that was important and not what happened in between the second to last chapter and the last chapter. Uh, and lastly, for characterization, I gave this book a nine. Carlotta is perhaps one of the best written characters I've ever seen in my life maybe, I'll say it, best written character I've ever seen in my life. I'll do it. I can't think of anybody, I, I can't think of anybody better. Um, and the side characters are also so good and they're so full and they make perfect sense. And even if you only get them for a hot second, you're like, I know exactly who this person is. I'm seeing them in front of me right now. I'm hearing them. I'm hearing their accent or I'm hearing the, the the way in which they're speaking or I I know this person. I've seen them before when I'm walking down the street in Fort Greene and it was just really cool. And it, it it's, you're seeing an author, you're reading an author who really sees people and then he puts them into the book. And I think that's rare too, because I think, Sometimes we encounter authors who forget that they see people every day. And so they'll write a character and you're like, what this shit? Like, you're like, what, I don't, who is this? Like, I don't know anybody like this. Like, what is going on? But James Hanahan clearly sees people and knows people. And he says, why the hell wouldn't you put that same feeling of when you encounter a person into a book? Like, why would you make it up? There's people everywhere, every day. Even if you don't talk to them, you see them and you know them. You can put it in a book. Um, The most smallest side characters in your life, the clerk at the store, you know, the bus driver. um, The person you have like a fleeting moment with at a club. Like, that's a real person. Like, put it in the book. Like, don't make up a fake idea of what you think a person is or isn't um so just really 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 good characterization overall nines across the board for didn't nobody give a shit what happened to Carlotta read it please I'm begging you buy it or get it on audible or get it from the library whatever you need to do to get your hands on this book do it and that's all I gotta say I'm excited to read it. I think you love it, and I told Nanny she had to read it when she was like, "I need a book rack," and I was like, "Bitch!" Oh, I forgot to reply to that. What are you going to recommend her?
1: Um, I want Annie to read *Goddess of Filth*. Oh, she'd love it. She'd love it. I think she would really like it, even though it's a little bit spooky. Um, because I sent when she came to visit me. I don't think I told you that I sent her home with the water cure. <laughs> I was like, just take oh, it. Oh yeah, just go. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So I will make her read Goddess of Filth. But um, also interesting, that book also has an orange cover.
0: Interesting. Oh, yeah, but that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I see it. I want to buy I have it at our store. I should see if anyone has bought it. I know we only got three copies in, which I was like, but I should. Maybe I'll just shortlist a bunch on accident.
0: Right, do it, do it. <laughs>
1: acts of violence <laughs>
0: um the cover-up didn't anybody didn't know what to give a shit what happened to carlotta is also orange but i don't think that has anything to do with
1: no i just thought it was interesting that we both read orange
0: books this week yeah it is interesting it is interesting but it's like what else could orange mean that's what made me say that like i'm like could it mean something else almost like definitely could. Are warning signs orange traffic cones are orange
1: Traffic cones are orange.
0: I mean, orange gets your attention. It does. And Brooklyn's kind of orange. Like, if you have, like, a weird, like, synesthesia, like, type thing, like, what color would you say, like, Brooklyn is versus Manhattan? I guess... Like uh, Right? Go for it. Yeah.
1: I was going to say, like... Eh like definitely a warmer color it's either going to be like a burnt red to me Uh Uh like a very deep dark red Uh um or like a burnt orange right yeah uh,
0: would manhattan be blue yes oh my god yes yes my only thing was i guess brooklyn could be green because it always does feel greener than manhattan to me yeah i agree with that like not yes like a
1: like a like a grass green, like a deep grass green
0: grass green. but it's just earthier, like like Manhattan's like blue and like purple and like cold, like technological colors, whereas like the brown stones and the sunset and the grass and the trees yes. in Brooklyn tones
1: warm, um, muddy in a way,
0: yeah, so. yeah, oh my God. We're Manhattan haters. We're Brooklyn's I hate love Fuck a Manhattan ass bitch. I used to hate when I lived there.
1: Like by there I mean Brooklyn. And people used to be like, can we go to Times Square? No. no. You can go there by yourself. I'm not going. I friggin' hate Times Square. Burn it Where is down. Stupid. Why would you <sighs> let's go I... stare at all the signs? Friggin' why? Let's go to the Forever 21 that's in Times Square. Why? No. Let's go to the MM store. No. Why? <laughs> Pick anywhere else to go
0: anywhere central park i even find central park cool it is yeah it's gorgeous it is there's a portion of manhattan which you just should never go to so if you're gonna go up from lower manhattan uh the highest i'm gonna want you to go is about 14th street then i'm gonna want you to skip everything up until maybe like 50th because that's where central park begins and then you can go up and that's fine Mm -hmm. but like 14th to 50th I'm not entering, I'm not exiting, I'm not going. Time and place, there is none. No. Unless maybe you're going to have a Broadway show that you got cheap tickets on Broadway week. Yes. Uh, otherwise- or like if your grandpa bought you tickets? Yeah. Go. Or if you're going to see Harry Styles at MSG? Go. Go. But otherwise, fuck a Midtown-ass bitch. I'm not going there. No, but also, like, get in, get your bag, get out. You know right. what I mean? Right. <laughs> Uh, to make a long motherfucking story short, Brooklyn is better than Manhattan in every possible way. In every way. I had,
1: we, me and Liza both know this. I have a friend who I know she would not come to Brooklyn to visit me.
0: I hate people who, like, won't come to Brooklyn. I'm like, oh, so you're racist? That's literally just Definitely. what I think. Like, I literally just go, oh, so you're racist? Like, cool. Okay, good to know. I won't be inviting you again. <laughs>
1: I, I didn't invite her, so
0: yeah, we would. I know who you're talking about, and I would not invite her Mm-mm. anywhere.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Period. So that was our Black History Month um okay. episode. What fun!
1: What fun! In celebration of Black History Month, um, read a black author, maybe like listen to a a black author. Like, yeah, I don't know how that works. I don't mean, like, okay, I mean, like, listen to Black authors, but I mean, like, do the voice actors get paid per listen? They must. Yeah, go listen to a book that has a, a Black narration. Yeah. That would be cool. I do, um, do little little acts of of um, celebrating. For example, anytime I see someone looking at books in the store, I'm like, oh, my God, have you read... Have you read Changeling by Victor LaValle? Mm-hmm. You you should really read you should read that. You should get on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Right, like just just start throwing out books by black authors at them. A man came in. A very white old man came in the other day and was like, "I'm looking for southern gothic books." And I was like, "Have you read Beloved?" I knew he wasn't going to like it. But I was like, "Have you read Beloved?" <laughs> and did he buy it? Um, no. Oh, this bitch. I know I was like loser.
0: Loser. If you go your whole life without reading Beloved, you're fucking stupid. Like I'm you're
1: so- doing a disservice to your own self.
0: You're literally just dumb at that point. Like mm-hmm. I have nothing, I have nothing more like to really say about it.
1: So yeah, do little things in celebration of Black History Month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every day.
0: Every day. Every day. <laughs> Every day. 365. Sometimes there's more days than 365. I don't know if this year there is, but sometimes. Right? No. Sometimes there's less. Wait. What? Leap years have one extra day or one more day? Or one less?
1: One more, because there's people who were born on a leap day, so they don't get to have their birthday.
0: So sometimes there's 366 days? Is that real? I mean, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's crazy.
0: Did you see that a piece of the sun just fucking fell off the other day and was um it's just out there doing something? I said that's cool. I also saw that the core of the earth stopped spinning and nobody knows why.
1: I don't I said- like any of this, Liza.
0: I said all right.
1: Sounds <laughs> to me like. The Earth is racist, and that's why it stopped spinning, because it's decided not to dance anymore. But the sun is not racist, and therefore it broke off to dance and celebrate Black History
0: Month. Yeah, period. Okay, yeah, probably that. Um. Yeah, I don't love that. I don't love any of that. No, I don't want that to happen anymore. It's like a few months ago when they were like, the Earth spun like faster today than it ever has, and I said, what? <laughs> Said, what do you mean by that? Like, the other day when I literally
1: woke up at 6 a.m. to my whole house shaking because there was an earthquake.
0: Earthquake in Buffalo, New York?
1: Are you kidding? Like, literally, I heard my mom jump out of bed. She was like, what's going on? I was, like, cozy, like, laying, just, like, watching the house shake. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> what else? Was stuff Part like of going me off shelves?
1: No, isn't that weird? That is weird. Nothing fell. Um, It was, like, a pretty good shake. Uh, I, I, like, for a minute was, like, oh, a plane must have crashed very close to me. That's literally what I thought happened. Nine eleven, 11 And then I, like, opened up my curtain and, like, looked outside, and I was, like, there's no plane, so it must have been an earthquake.
0: That's so weird. And, and then, so, how long was it? Not long. It was probably not even a minute. Well, it
1: probably was a minute, because I, I think I was sleeping at first. Okay. And then I like woke up while it was doing its little shake and then it did its big shake and then it was like, oh. interesting, but I did not get out of bed. And after it was done, I rolled over, went back to sleep,
0: period. And then Turkey had a really bad earthquake and um, that I don't think they usually get earthquakes either, but it was devastating and a lot of people died. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I. It's really upsetting. The world doesn't really want us anymore, so we'll see what happens. Life is short. Honestly, if I had
1: (laughs) 9 billion children, I probably wouldn't want any of them either. Mm, Bitch, fuck it.
0: And they've done so much crap.
1: Yeah, they're all bad.
0: It's really bad.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I'd keep Greta only.
0: Greta Thunberg, (laughs) who caught and killed that rapist. She can stay on the earth. She can stay. Everyone else has got to go. She'd love it, too.
1: But no, like, imagine if mothers had babies and they lived on the mothers.
0: Ew, shut the hell up. Sorry. <laughs> That's so scary. <laughs> that makes me want to throw up. Sometimes things just pop into my head. But they kind of do when they're growing.
1: They do when they're growing, but then they like come off you. But like if if you if you were the earth, like I don't know, your babies would just live on you. Mothers are, but
0: pregnant people are fruiting bodies.
1: They'd be hungry and they'd just eat you. Like they just start biting your skin.
0: Also, I saw an, a fan edit of The Last of Us the other day, and it was using this BB Bridger song, and I literally cried. <laughs> Play. Like, it's Cry Girl Hours. What a beautiful uh, such horrendous apocalypse The Last of Us is.
1: It's, yeah, it's lovely.
0: I don't know how we got to this topic, but I don't think we even said what we're reading next week. Liza! <laughs> what are we celebrating next week? I think next week, correct me if I'm wrong, is Jewish Book Week? Yes. <laughs> Jewish book week yeah so exciting never celebrated like a Jewish observance before we've done many of our other friends but never have we done specifically books by Jewish authors and how fun it is and how fun it is what are you reading
1: I'm reading a really interesting book called um, The Red Door, A Dark Fairy Tale Told in Poems Ooh. by Sean C. Harris.
0: Ooh. I'm excited for that. And the cover is lit. It's
1: so nice.
0: And I am reading a book called Mad and Mad by, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to have to look up how to pronounce her name.
1: Um, the guy who invented the vaccine for tuberculosis has that last name, and it's pronounced Cook, apparently. Cook. But some people would probably pronounce it differently, but this guy pronounced it Cook.
0: Cook. And it would—Cook would make sense. Since she's Jewish. So we're going to go with B. Cook. I'll look up a video of her saying it so we have it right for next week. Um... But yeah, this is a Jewish author. She writes, has written for Hey Alma, which is a publication I, too, as a Jewish woman, have written for. Um, And she's really fucking cool because she owns the Ripped Bodice, which is a famous uh, romance bookstore uh, that I've always kind of wanted to go to. She's a really interesting woman, and this book is called Mad and Bad, Real Heroines of Regency, Uh, And it talks about Jewish women and like queer folks and like all kinds of like other marginalized folks, but I think there's an emphasis on Jewish people, Jewish women, during Regency, which you never get to see, like people just forget that there was Jews in other time periods, like I think that happens way too often, people are like well 1940 uh, holocaust and i'm like no we were always kind of around um literally since the beginning of uh organized religion so literally yeah before that actually yeah, actually <laughs> so, yeah uh so i'm excited about this and i love regency and i'm excited to read um nonfiction because i like to learn history and it also has a badass fucking cover that's yeah paid.
1: another good cover
0: Pink covers unite. Pink covers Telling unite. it with
1: the covers.
0: So we're excited about that. Can't wait. And folks, we'll see you then. We'll see you. That's all she wrote. Have a good evening. Peace out. <laughs>